Welcome back, everybody, to another Vince August podcast. Um, Going to be taking on a rather simple topic uh, in this podcast. Uh, I'm going to take on religion, <laughs> the the freedom of, and what exactly um, is religion, and and how, in my mind, it should be practiced how it shouldn't interfere with other people's lives and it's personal and all kinds of things. So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take on a a pretty easy, light topic on this one. Uh, I'm going to also get into the Republican pledge that we saw Donald Trump sign uh, about a week ago. Uh, The Video Music Awards, uh, real quick. And then if I have time, I want to get into gun control. But the gun control thing is actually kind of deep. Um, and, and that may get its own podcast. So we're going to see how far we get with the religion stuff and um, kind of play it by ear. We may not make it to gun control in this podcast. I may uh, stop the session and, and start a new gun control podcast and release that on its own. Um, and that's in light of all of the shootings that have been going on. And uh, two more officers were killed in, in uh, Nevada yesterday. And uh, by the way, today is uh, Labor Day, September 7th. But we're going to see how far we go. The one thing I got to get into um, real quick, because it's going to take less time than the whole religion thing, obviously, is this Republican pledge that Donald Trump signed. Um, I I found this to be really such a a stupid um, and and really... the Republican Party, in, in my estimation, is showing their weakness by giving everybody this pledge that they have to sign that ultimately says if you're going to run in a primary as a Republican and you lose, um, you're going to pledge to not then compete against us as an independent candidate or some other party candidate. Uh, You're going to commit to the Republican ticket, and if you lose, you're going to support whoever our candidate is. And to me, let me show you why that shows weakness. One, it shows that they're afraid that the division within their party will eventually cost their party. And this is something that I look at in terms of just life in general, okay? If you feel you are the strongest candidate for anything in life, a a job, um, you know, whether it's it's, you know, for employment purposes, whether it's you're auditioning for something, you go in and you don't really care who the competition is. You're going to go in, you're going to do your best and you're going to try to win. Um, The more you worry about your competition, the more you're worried about other people, then obviously You're not focused on your issues. You're worried about people finding something attractive about somebody else. You know, I I always say work on you. Don't worry about everything else. The Republicans basically showed their hand that they're they're scared to death of Donald Trump. And to me, this pledge and Donald Trump signing this pledge was nothing more than we want to bring Donald Trump in. We want to get him to agree that he's not going to run against us because he's dangerous out there. He's this wild card that no one can control. Now that we got him, now he assigns the pledge, now we can completely undercut him, torpedo his campaign. 
because he's not what we really want. And, you know, we, we can then get back to doing business as Republicans as opposed to this Donald Trump-esque Republican version that doesn't suit who we are. And let me tell you why that's another reason, another reason I find is to show a tremendous weakness in the Republican Party. If the Republican Party finds that Donald Trump does not fit their mold, well, then boot him out. Say, you know what, Donald, sorry, we're not going to let you run on this Republican primary because we don't think you fit the role, the mold as a Republican. Go run as an independent. You're too middle of the road for us to be part of who we are. Kick him out. But they're afraid to kick him out. So what they do is they they pull him in, and now what they're going to do is they're going to sabotage him. Now, I've, I've said this in a previous podcast. In terms of Donald Trump being a president, I don't think Donald Trump has the wherewithal to really do the job well across the board. Now, quite honestly, I don't think anyone does. I don't think any one person can run a country on their own and have enough knowledge and information about all aspects of that job, foreign policy, domestic policy, economics, everything that you need to know, environmental issues, um, you know, getting into, you know, space exploration and, and, and whether or not we should support a NASA and, and homelessness and all there are so many levels. No one person can do that job without having just the most amazing team around them. And you need to constantly be surrounded by the type of people that give you the information that allows you to make these smart decisions. I don't think Donald Trump has surrounded himself with those types of people leading into this campaign to have enough information on what it is to really become president. Now, Part of the problem with our presidency is that the people who do get involved in this campaigning and, and becoming a president become professional politicians. And all they do is know that, and that puts them out of touch with constituents, with the people, with the public. So it's kind of this catch-22 situation where if you're a Donald Trump and you you know run businesses and you employ people and you've shown success in the private sector, well, what do you know about the government sector? And conversely, if all you've done has been a politician all your life, what the hell do you really know about people going to work every day? So it's this kind of weird catch-22, and ultimately you have to mold all of that together. So, but getting back to you know the the point is. All of these candidates as individuals bring something to the table, um, but as a specific individual, I, I think they all, of course, have a whole. The Republicans have shown, you know what, we can't compete with Donald Trump because of his voice. Donald Trump right now is louder than the rest of us. His message is just a loud message he's he's kind of like this bully on the playground and he's not saying anything smart or insightful he's just being the loudest one and we've got to silence that voice that to me is a dangerous thing and i you know me i'm a huge first amendment person i don't like silencing voices i'm sorry i have a major major problem with that um i i think donald trump's voice is necessary in this election 
and you, you have to let him be heard. You really do. Um, but the Republicans basically, as a party, just showed me they're intimidated by Donald Trump. Uh, I, I honestly believe they're trying to sabotage Donald Trump now. Now the sabot- the, the whole sabot- you know, sabotaging of the Donald Trump campaign, I think, is going to be in full force and effect almost immediately. And it's gonna, they're going to work on showing him to be weak and then get his loud voice to somehow work for them. Um, I'm a little disappointed in Donald Trump that he signed the pledge. I, I thought Donald Trump would be the type of person to say, you know what, I'll run as an independent. Screw all of you. I don't need you Republicans. I would have rather seen that from Donald. Um, but you know what? This is politics. And I guess part of you know politics is being able to play politics. So he said, you know what? Fine, I'll beat you at your own game. I hope he can. I hope he can beat them at their own game to a certain extent. And to that extent is some of the other candidates that I, I don't want to see in this race. My um, front runner... In terms of me personally, the, the person I'm looking at from the Republican primary ticket, uh, Ben Carson, to me, is is the only guy who is educated, saying things that make sense right now. Um, he's not some crazy Republican, you know, Yahoo that we're seeing, which is going to get into my next topic. Um uh, you know, right now I'm a Ben Carson guy, and and, and sometimes you, again, if you look and can take the, you know the best of Ben Carson, the best of a, a Donald Trump, and the best of some of these people, and say you know if you can only put your differences aside and and come together and make sense as one intelligent brain, as opposed to you know segments of brain that show intelligence and then just brain farts, you know this country could be great. Uh, so the Republican pledge thing really bothered me. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't like it. I don't like it at all. It shows weakness in the party. Um, so that, that I, I thought that was ridiculous in our news. Then there's the story that has really gripped, um, the country for the last, I don't know, I guess it's a week and a half, almost two weeks. And as you can tell, it's a story that's even got, um, my dog Lucy very upset. <laughs> that was Lucy in the background. Uh, I take it to work. Um, And that's the story about um, the clerk in Kentucky, Kim Davis, who refused to issue marriage licenses to gay couples. And she did this based upon the fact that her own Christian beliefs um, conflict with the laws that permit this. And she needs to do God's work. Okay. First of all, the law of this land, as we all saw in June of 2015, is crystal clear, plain and simple. There is a right to gay marriage. Plain, simple, June 26, 2015, our Supreme Court makes it the law of the land. Our Supreme Court, by the way, okay, not Congress. Not the president, not any governor. Don't give this, whatever you want to call it, victory or or defeat or whatever. The, The bottom line is, this came from the judicial branch of our government. So whether you're upset with it or whether you're happy with it, this did not come from the president. 
This did not come from Congress or any elected officials. Please be intelligent enough to understand the right for couples of the same sex to marry came from the Supreme Court of the United States, the judicial branch of government, period, end of story. That makes it law. It was not voted on. It was not passed through each state. It did not become a constitutional amendment. It came through the judicial branch of our government. Please know the difference before you start giving blame or credit to people that do or don't deserve it. Okay. Once that happens, as a public servant, if you cannot carry out the function of your job because your own religious beliefs conflict with the law of the land, you should not hold that position. Plain and simple. And I can give you ridiculous examples of that and, you know, give you and play it into this example in different forms. Now, Kim Davis is an elected official. She's a Democrat. And I I love this because, you know what, I see all too many times people on social media that are Democrats that blast Republicans as if Republicans are against anything gay. And that if you're anti-gay, you are de facto a Republican. See, this dismisses that whole thing. And I'm so happy that this person was a Democrat so that we can start to move away from Democrat equals pro-gay, Republican equals anti-gay. I hate the two-party system in this country. I am not registered to either party because I think it's ridiculous that we draw these these names, these monikers on people, and right away throw a person in a group. If you're a Republican, you're all of these things. If you're a Democrat, you're all of these things. I hate that. I hate it. I'm really censoring myself because I would love to go into an absolute cursing tirade over this. So here's this Democrat, Christian, elected official who decides, even though... My job is to give out these marriage licenses. I am doing God's work and not giving it to people of the same sex. Now, let's get into something about this person's background. She's on her fourth marriage. Some people say technically it's a third because she married the one guy and now is married to him again. So really, it's only three. No, BS. You're on your fourth marriage, okay? She's been married four times. But she's going to tell same-sex people that she's doing God's work by saying they don't have a right to be married. All right, well, you know what? You made a promise under God that you would stay married until death do you part for richer, for poor, sickness and health, blah, 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 blah. Not once, not twice. Not three times, but you're on your fourth time. So you know what? You're not really good at doing God's work. I've got to tell you that. You failed three times at it. So right off the bat, her hypocrisy is just ridiculous. Okay, that's the first issue. The second issue that really got me with this 
is the people that ran to support her. Okay. Rand Paul, Republican presidential candidate. Not that I was going to vote for you. You were forever crossed off my list. Ted Cruz, another guy. Not that I was ever going to vote for you. You're gone. Scott Walker, who I kind of liked for a minute. Guess what, Scott? You're gone. Off my list. I am not even going to listen to anything any of these candidates have to say anymore. Once you support this woman in taking the action she did, you have shown me that either you are too stupid to understand the law or you have a disregard for law. And under either one of those circumstances, you're not going to get my vote for president. Mike Huckabee is the biggest of all idiots on this one. He's actually, as of today, September 7th, holding a rally for this woman in support of what she did. The rally should be called, I clearly am too stupid to be president rally. Listen. If this woman, Kim Davis, I'm, I'm interested to see, was Jewish and somehow holding up a Jewish principle, how many of these candidates would have run to her support? Let me make it more extreme. If she was Muslim, oh my God, can you imagine if she did this under the guise of being Muslim and saying, you know what? The Muslim religion does not recognize gay religion. Neither will I. I wonder what these candidates would have done in that circumstance. What if she was atheist and said, you know what? There is no God and making a promise under God is ridiculous in all sense and form. You know what? I am practicing my atheist religion. belief. Voodoo. You can get crazy with this thing. But it just happened to become this Christian person, and all of a sudden the, the, the right-wing Christian conservative Republican candidates ran to her aid, ran to her defense, saying, you know what, it's admirable what she's doing. No, it's not. Because let me tell you something about doing the work of God. You can practice your faith and still recognize the laws of the land. And what that is, is recognizing that your faith and the laws of the land don't necessarily have to be completely consistent with one another. And the Bible, I'm pretty sure, speaks to give to the government what is the government's. Give to the Lord what is the Lord's. Okay? And when it comes to paying taxes and doing things like that. They're not exclusive of one another so that when you take an oath as a clerk, you say, I will do all of these things so long as it doesn't conflict with my religion. No, that's not the oath you took. It's not the oath I took as a judge back in 2008. I had to abide by the laws of the state of New Jersey, not any Christian beliefs or Buddhist beliefs I may have. And again, I'm, I'm, I would, oh, if she was any other religion, I would love to see if there was this outcry of support for her, which we know there wouldn't be. Now, let's get into this whole 
religion thing and the self-righteousness that is. Okay. First off, I was raised, I will give you my background as I always do before I start ranting on a topic. I was raised by Sicilian immigrant parents, Italian immigrant parents in the Roman Catholic faith. And I was in a grammar school that was Franciscan from kindergarten to eighth grade. Um, So it was Roman Catholic Franciscan order. I was in high school at Paramus Catholic, which was LaSalle Brothers. So that's four years of LaSalle. So eight years Franciscan, four years LaSalle. Then went to Fordham University in the Bronx, which is Jesuit order. So that's another four years there. I would say that the teachings that I learned in grammar school as a Franciscan and the teachings I learned in high school through the Jesuit order were already different from Franciscan. I'm sorry to LaSalle, LaSalle in high school from Franciscan to Jesuit in college. It was almost like it was two different religions. I have to tell you, it's all Catholicism. It was like it was two different religions. The religion I learned in grammar school was that of fire, brimstone, fear. You don't abide by God. There's hell to pay. (laughs) This is exactly how religion was pitched to me as a child. What the hell does a kid know about all of that? As a child, it was fear-based. Okay. By the time you get to high school and the South priests get to you, it's it's less fear-based. And now you're starting to b- learn more about the religion itself and, you know, the truer versions of the story, I guess, which aren't, you know, d- depicting this fire and brimstone image. By the time I get to Fordham, you're learning theology. You are actually learning the religion, the life of Jesus. You're learning it as an educated person and not this, you know, Bible fearing, none black habit, you know, God, they, they look like, uh, what do you call it? Sith Lords from star Wars with the black habits and the priest with the, the brown robes and the knots and, you know, looking like Jedi Knights and it, it moved away from that. So Within religion itself, in my teachings, I came to learn the difference as you got older. I think trying to teach a child about religion, when you consider as an adult how it's faith-based, I think it's absolutely ridiculous to try to impart on a child what God and faith is. It's absolutely absurd to consider a child can understand this. Nevertheless, you're giving communion to first graders, trying to get them to understand the Last Supper, the symbolism of the Last Supper. I mean, it's it's absolutely ludicrous that this is impounded in kids' heads. And there are people out there saying, well, you know what? Then your church didn't teach it right. No. The actual teaching of religion to a small child is something that very few 
can grasp. Very few. And it wouldn't, it's not something you could do in, in a classroom in a matter of 50 minute segments. This is something that adults have difficulty grasping. The problem with religion as I see it is the fact that religion is personal. It is a personal experience. It is a personal relationship with God. Very few people have a personal relationship that everyone can share equally and have all the same feelings about. When you bring everybody into a church and you bring them all to, you know, like we have a church here in town, you bring everybody into that church, you're expecting, the expectation is that everyone's relationship to God is exactly the same. That's an unreasonable expectation right off the bat. And we're seeing it with this new Pope. The new Pope is asking people of the same order to start doing things that is uncomfortable for a lot of people that belong to the religion. Again, why? Because everybody has a different personal relationship to their God. So what is the answer to all of this? The answer to all of this is your relationship to God is personal to you. You don't need to go to a building once a week, twice a week to have that relationship. Because if you've really studied theology, if you've really delved into the religion and let's use Christianity, which I've studied, I was raised in. If you really have Christian beliefs, Judeo-Christian values, you believe that God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's in your home. He's at your work. He's in the park when you walk your dog. He's in your car when you're driving. He's omnipresent. And doing God's work is not about refusing to give a license to someone who deserves it because the law says they deserve it. Doing God's work is about treating people with the same love and compassion you would like to treat, have them treat you with. That's doing God's work. It's being in your car, getting cut off, and not flipping somebody off. It's showing compassion. It's about being at your job and showing compassion to the people that you work with in the office rather than gossip about them. It's just about being the type of person that the person you're praying to represents. If you are Christian, you have to be Christ-like, forgiving, loving, turn the other cheek, For all intents and purposes, Jesus Christ was the ultimate Buddhist. He really was. Study, read the book, try to get something out of it and actually learn. He wasn't the type of person that said, here's my job description, but you know what? Screw that. I'm going to do what my faith tells me to do. And where is it written anywhere? Who came up with this, this, this issue that gay people can't be married? Jesus Christ, where show me where in the Bible 
Jesus Christ created the sanctity of marriage. Show me where Jesus Christ talked about marriage being between a man and a woman. No, it came about because here's what happens in religion. The personal relationship, which I've been talking about, that personal relationship, people start sharing in groups. And you start talking about your personal relationship with God. Beautiful thing. Absolutely wonderful. Then somebody takes control of this. A human takes control of this and creates a business plan out of it. We'll call it the Roman Catholic Church. And now tells you, you know what? I'm going to build a building where we can all share these religious beliefs. But I need money from you in order to build this building. And you start donating money and coming together. Okay, so far we're okay. You know what? That sounds like a good idea. Let's all chip in and build a place where we can all come together and talk about God. Then this is where it goes amok. You know what? We're going to start having crusades to convert people to believe what we believe in. Why? Why? I thought we were just coming together and talk about how, how we have a personal relationship with God. Why do we have to make everyone else believe what we believe? This is our personal relationship. We're sharing our experience with God. Why do we have to make everyone else believe what we believe? If they don't believe what we believe, then they don't have a personal relationship with God. Why invite them here? Let's just talk amongst ourselves. Then here's what we're going to do. We're going to create rules that are so sexist. Oh, my God. If Listen, I, I was raised in the Roman Catholic Church. Let me tell you. Talk about a sexist religion as it was brought up to me. Okay. Women can't do this. Women can't do this. Women should do this. Women should do that. Wow. Who created that? Jesus Christ? Come on, man. This is so rudimentary simple. But people complicate it. And this happens in every single religion. Why? Because there's money associated with it. And money has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with God and religion. Period. End of story. Money has nothing to do with it. Charity, in the sense of doing good for others, you don't have to give your money to an organization to have them go do good for others. Because if you're saying we donate money to the church and the church does good for others, Go do it yourself. You can go on a missionary. You can join missionaries. And missionaries are, well, you know what? I have a full-time job and I can't do it. So you know what? I'm going to donate money to the church. And I know the church is doing good things with the money. Yeah. Where? Where are they doing these good things? Where is the balance sheet? Where are you? Because to me, the Roman Catholic Church and all these churches, I'm not, listen, I'm, I'm beating up on Christianity right now because this Kim Davis nut down in Kentucky. Believe me, this goes across the board for a lot of faiths. No different than a Red Cross. No different than PETA. No different than any of these other organizations, 501c charities, that do good work. And there are some organizations out there that are really good at it. And there are some organizations out there that stink. You've got to find the right charitable organization that does good charitable work. Money and God really don't go together because money, I'm sorry, is the root of all evil. So if you're going to tie the root of all evil to the thing that is pure in form of love, void of evil, then you got a problem. Listen, I pray 
every day, every day at various times of the day. I don't wake up necessarily and I got to get on my knees and I got to say, my, at various times of the day, I will have a moment of reflection. I don't necessarily sit there and I'm No, I don't do that. That to me is not prayer. But this is, again, this is my personal relationship. So if you're going to sit out there and say, oh my God, Vince August, you are, you're blaspheming. You're, this is blasphemy. No, screw you. This is my relationship to God. When I see I'm going into a place of anger, whatever, that's when I will sit, shut off the phone, have my moment of prayer, personal reflection, deep breath in, exhale out, ask for guidance. Please help me get this bad feeling out of me so I can work and go upon my daily routine in a way that is meant to be helpful to me and society. And I will reflect. Now that can happen at in the morning. It can happen in the afternoon. It can happen at late at night. I don't necessarily set off a time. This is my time to pray. And from everything I've read from really religious people, that's religion. That is spirituality. That is being one with God. This notion that these man-made adaptations, these man-made rules came from God, that God spoke through these people 2,000 years ago who wrote down these rules. I want to ask you something right now, people listening to this podcast, and share this with anybody else. If somebody today said, God spoke to me and these are his rules, how fast would that person be locked up in an insane asylum today? Somehow, some way, 2,000 years ago, this was completely acceptable. Listen, the rules are simple. If everybody loves their neighbor, if everybody treats the people around them in a Christ-like manner, Christians, you don't even need churches. Because at that point, all a church is, is a place for everyone to go congregate together and share the stories. If everyone's treating each other great, you could do that in backyards the way it used to be done. Sitting around the fire. At that point, you have peace and love throughout the world. I think you created heaven on earth at that point. I'm not even sure we need to go to the buildings anymore because it exists everywhere. I mean, this is mind-numbing to me how people really try to turn religion into a business and no one sees it. And then you have people like politicians that come and use it as a, por- a form of, you know, the part of their platform. It's, it's really crazy. It's really crazy. And listen, right now, some of you may say, oh, look, Vince, Vince, Pope Vince August. Listen, I don't care if you disagree with me. I really don't. This is what religion is to me. It's my relationship to God. My God is a loving God. He's not a punishing God. He's not one that looks to inflict pain upon people. He's, and, and to me, two people come before you for a license to express their love to one another. And the government says it's okay. And you take it upon yourself to refuse them that right. 
and you say you're doing God's work when you've created the pain for those people. I, again, explain to me how you're doing God's work. Show me where it's written that some man did said, you know, it's between a man and a woman and a, show me what, show me how this came from. And I'm listen, if there's somebody out there who's a religious person and you can find it and show me how Jesus Christ said, you're not going to be able to do it because there's no transcript anywhere. You're going to show me something that was transcribed by somebody else years after Jesus Christ passed. And listen, again, I have very deep beliefs in the teachings of Jesus Christ because when I look at his teachings, I say to myself, here's a guy 2,000 years ago, carpenter, a, a nobody who was, you know, talking about loving neighbors and turning the other cheek and forgiveness and, and all this other stuff. And th- this guy's story continued for 2,000 years. Yeah. That's somebody who I'm going to look up to and admire and try to live my life like that person. That I can say definitively, he is the son of God, whatever God may be. To me, and a lot of people say, well, you're praying to a guy in a chair. No, that's not me. I'm not praying to a man in a chair with a crown. That's not what God is for me. Okay? And, And to me, to say Jesus Christ is the son of God, my faith says this is someone doing the work of a spiritual power that none of us can come to understand. Some people say to me, what is God? I say to you, I don't know. All I know is that there is a spiritual existence, a spiritual energy in the universe that I believe is good. That is light. To me, what, you know, people talk about hell and what's hell. And they have fire brimstone and a red guy with horns and, you know, a half human, half beast. No. To me, hell is the absence of that light. It's eternal darkness. God, love, faith, that's light. Stars, sun, the energy around you, that's positive. Hell is the absence of all of those things. That's my religion. That's my faith. And it is up to you as an individual to be that light for the people that you come into contact with. That is what, to me, these Christian Buddhist beliefs bring out of me. Do I slip? Yes. Why? Because I'm human. This is what religion is. And I don't need to go to a building and have somebody give me rules about that. Thou shalt not kill. Really? I think I figured that one out for myself. (laughs) You know, and coveting neighbor's wife, really not cheating, not having an affair and doing something wrong. And I, I think I can figure out most of those rules. Honor your mother and father. How about honoring everybody? How about treating everybody with respect? I mean, I I don't need that list of rules. If you really believe in the teachings and follow the teachings, the rules are self-explanatory. They're man-made. It's part of a business model that started and and has existed with things that are, are so archaic, inquisitions and crusades and holy wars. And haven't we had enough? I mean, if you're, if you're carrying out evil in the name of God, you're living in darkness. That's why I laugh when I see people with ISIS wearing all black. I say to myself, there it is, man, covering yourself in black. You're creating darkness. 
That is exactly what hell is. You are a symbol of hell, creating darkness, taking life, taking life, extinguishing someone else's light. That is, you are a a vessel of hell incarnate. That's how simple it is for me. But I would never take what I believe and try to impose it on someone else. Once again, and for the last time, it's because it's my personal relationship. You don't have to believe any of what I believe. And maybe I'm a religious nut for believing what I do, but I don't impose it on anybody. I just exist that way. And for candidates to come out and support someone and say, you know what? They're doing God's work. Well, let them do it somewhere else. When they're on the clock, they're doing the government's work. And you can do the government's work in a Christian-like way just by being nice to people. Oh, man, that story made me nuts. It really did. Um, let, let's finish off on something light. I'm not going to get the gun control this one. Uh, that, that deserves its own topic because there's so many statistics and things I have to share with that. Uh, I'll do a special podcast on that. The last thing, and let's finish on something light. The Video Music Awards uh, was on last week. Um, I have to tell you, I, I never watch the VMAs. I really don't. There's two award shows I really watch, which is the Emmys and the Oscars, um, because I'm a fan of my industry. Um, the Grammys, every now and then, I'll flip on. Um, you know, and I, I really I want to see who wins the comedy album, and and you know that category that applies to me. Um, these music award shows. It seemed, there seems to be one every other month at this point between country and Grammys and, and video music awards and the Billboard Awards. And it, it seems like all we do is give out awards to people. Here, your song was better than their song. Really? How? Why? Who says? Um, so I, I think it's kind of ridiculous. Um, seeing some of the stuff that people are reacting to, like Justin Bieber had an emotional breakdown because people applauded for him and, you know, I, I, they booed me and now they're cheering for me and I got so emotional. Dude, it's a stacked audience. It's a stacked audience. It's great that they cheered for you and you had an emotional moment, but relax, man. They cheered for Kanye West too. Okay. (laughs) I mean, when you think about it, they applauded for you. Yeah. They applauded for Kanye West too. After he announced he's running for president. Um, as for the Kanye West thing and, and, you know, they gave him some lifetime achievement award. I don't know what the hell he achieved in his life that made him so important. I give him a lifetime achievement award. Maybe he's doing things for people. I don't know. Again, I don't know. I don't know if he's doing something for somebody out there that's needy and, and really is deserving. Please share it with me and educate me. I ask, I invite everybody educate me. If what I'm saying in this podcast is crazy, educate me. Offer me some information. And listen, if there's a priest out there who disagrees with what I said, you have an open invitation to sit down with me and tell me how I'm wrong. Open invitation. I would love to have a podcast with a priest from any sect of the Christian faith. Please, open invitation. Let's do it. But the, the Kanye West thing, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. But, but he went on this unbelievable speech for 13 minutes and It was like this trying to be artistic and deep. And at the same time, it's like, dude, the only person you care about really is you. This is all self-serving crap. And I'm watching these people. And to me, it's again, I I had to watch after the fact because I saw Twitter blowing up about what Miley Cyrus was wearing. 
and and Kim Kardashian is, is is she's wearing a fat suit. Oh my God, look, she stuffed her dress to make herself look fat on what she is, and people are fat shaming her, and and you know Justin Bieber is crying. Oh my God, people all of a sudden are cheering for me. To me, it's it's really. The most self-serving thing you could absolutely watch is these award shows where these people stand around one another and just, you know, it's a a love fest for themselves and a love fest for people. You know, we're, we're going to show her, you know, everybody how awesome we are. And it's like, listen, you know what? You do a job. They buy the music, whether it's on iTunes or whatever. You go out, you perform. They buy tickets. They come to see you perform. And again, I'm a little bit hypocritical on on this because I would love to win a Grammy someday for Best Comedy Album because that would let me know that I'm touching people and affecting people. But at the same time, if I don't, it's not going to be the it's not going to make my life, you know, have no value. But some of these, you know, artists get so wrapped up in themselves and they get so wrapped up in, in applause and, and love me, please love me. And, and, you know, Miley Cyrus and people with the outfits and, you know, what is her sexuality? Is, is she, is she straight? Is she gay? And, and, oh my God, look, she's, you know, showing herself naked, this and that, you know what, really, who cares? (laughs) I don't get who cares when you look at and listen to their speeches and I listened to some of their speeches because I had to because people were going so crazy and I looked at their outfits. I'm like, this this is mind-numbing for me. I, I And I love that people get upset over Miley Cyrus being half-naked. It's like, what's the big deal? She's a young kid running around all over the place. She was naked on a, a wrecking ball swinging back and forth a couple years ago. Now she's wearing suspenders over her boobs. She's actually wearing more clothes. What are you upset about? She went from naked on a wrecking ball to wearing suspenders covering her boobs or balloons covering her boobs, you should be happy. She's got more clothes on. And then with the Kanye West, you know, with the 13-minute speech, people are like, what is he talking about? What? You, now? I, I don't know what he's talking about his music. I don't know what he's talking about on that Kardashian show. I don't know what... I never know what the hell Kanye West is talking about. And the fact that he's running for president in 2020, I don't know if he's serious. You know what? I, same thing with Donald Trump. If he's a voice for somebody out there, let him run. Maybe we need this voice. I don't know. But if that people are getting so wrapped up in the video music awards and, and going crazy over the video music awards, guys, relax. Relax. It's an award show. It's basically a love fest for people in the music industry to hand each other trophies and tell each other how great they are. Look, if, if we got nothing else out of it, Taylor Swift and Kanye West made up. It just goes to show, you know what? Hey, we can all put our differences aside. Maybe that's what this is all about, putting our differences aside. I don't know. I rambled uh, a lot in this one. I talked about religion. Lucy's upset. She's rambling. She's barking. Everybody's needs to have a good Labor Day. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have done this podcast on Labor Day. Maybe I should have just taken off. Everybody, enjoy. Check me out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. Vince August. <laughs>